there, and welcome to Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do. That we do. And this week, we are discussing the Oscars. That's right. We are talking about our predictions for the Oscar winners on Oscar Sunday, yes. which will be the 25th of April. Yeah, as we've said multiple times in this podcast, I am not the biggest Oscar person in the world. I've only <laughs> just started really giving a shit about the Oscars because my wife cares about the Oscars. That's right. And me personally, I recognize that the Oscars are not a perfect entity. However, I don't do sports very well, so this is the closest thing I can get to the feeling of excitement like Super Bowl. This is my Super Bowl, okay? I'm excited, even though I feel like a lot of the awards this year are going to be pretty predictable. Even though this whole year has been so fucking nuts with the virus and everything, I do feel like it's not going to be as exciting as last year. <laughs> well, you know, while we discuss this, I'm going to drink my life-affirming Mountain Dew, because I learned that from Minari. Yes, if you haven't watched Minari yet, which is nominated for six awards... The overarching message in it is not about family or perseverance in the shadow of adversity. No, no, no. It's about Mountain Dew being the elixir of life. <laughs> yes, it, 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 it apparently cures uh, heart murmurs. Uh, yeah, 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 apparently. I didn't know that. You gotta look up that scientific study. Mountain Dew, put that on your bottle right now. It's as literally, proven by Minari. It's so funny when we were watching it. Because Scott loves Mountain Dew and he drinks it all the time. I just found it hilarious because the little kid in the movie is constantly drinking Mountain Dew and calling it the mountain water. And I was like, that's so fucking hilarious. But I hate Mountain Dew. It tastes like what I imagine toxic sludge would taste like. It's just so gross. But anyway... <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> so what we're going to do here, we're going to hop around to the different categories, talk about what we think of the movies nominated, what we think is going to win versus what we want to win. Yes. All the good stuff, despite the fact that there is a lot of predictable stuff, I think, that's going to happen this year. There are a lot of good things going on this year with the Oscars as well. Uh, so we're going to we're going to talk about everything, good, bad and indifferent. So we were talking off mic about the Oscars in general, in particular the movies of this year, and we were talking about the difference between a quote-unquote Oscary movie and a non-Oscary movie. Maybe you could explain the difference between those two phrases. Okay, well, an Oscary movie tends to be, except for this year because of COVID tends to come out from September to about November. They usually are very much more dramatic. They tend to have a slight pretentiousness about them. Like, hoity-toity, like, ah, this is, uh, this is high class. We're saying something very important. It feels like a lot of times when you watch Oscar movies, they're talking down to you. Their message is the most important thing. And if you don't get it or don't like it, you can go fuck yourself. Right. And I do agree with that. Because here's the thing. There are still movies that come out that are like that with the Oscars. And there are some, I think, this year 
in our in our lineup here. However, I do think the Oscars have gotten better in that regard. I think there are also some movies in here that are more accessible to general audiences. There are even ones in here that do have something very important to say, but they say it in a non-Oscary, non-pretentious way. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So I, I do think in that regard, they've gotten better. And I think it's because they recognize that general audience don't give a fuck about the Oscars because, you know, just like you said, a lot of the movies talk down to their audience. So they have to kind of expand a little bit and open themselves up to movies that maybe aren't typical Oscar fodder. Like, for example, Promising Young Woman. I actually really loved that movie. I thought it was fucking great. If you haven't watched it, it's really awesome. Carrie Mulligan stars in it. Oh, yeah. Emerald Fennell writes and directs. Fucking awesome. But it's not a typical Oscar movie by any stretch, I don't think. I think Promising Young Woman is hitting at a point in time where the message of the movie and the topic of sexual assault is such a prevalent topic. Like, we are tuning into it more now than we ever have in the past. And I think that's why Promising Young Woman is hitting at such a point right now that it is very important and Carrie Mulligan is amazing in it. The whole movie was tense and that ending was so fucked. (laughs) Like, holy shit. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) You know, as a woman watching that movie, I felt uh, incredibly empowered by it. I really loved it. And I thought Carrie Mulligan did a great job and Emerald Fennell did a great job. It's definitely earned its whopping five Oscar nominations this year. But yeah, it's I like it because it's not a typical Oscar movie. So I think the fact that it's getting so much love and recognition is awesome. Yeah, it's my uh, out of. The eight best pictures, it's my number two of the eight. All right, so so let's like start getting into some categories here. Okay. I think we should start with some technical stuff. Okay, sounds good. Let's start with makeup and hair. Scott and I actually ended up agreeing on a lot of these categories. So for makeup and hair, we both picked Ma Rainey, but we also picked Ma Rainey for costumes as well. Yeah, those two awards tend to run together. Yeah, and I think Ma Rainey is an obvious easy pick out of all of the ones nominated it's probably the most well acclaimed yeah and i think the achievement in makeup and hair and costumes is obvious you know just all over the screen the whole movie so i think that's a safe bet the only one i could see upsetting would be mank mank definitely has a shot if it's going to be not Ma Rainey, it's probably going to be Mank or Emma. But Hollywood, I feel like, does want to give Mank some awards because Hollywood loves to sniff its own ass. I mean, I, I think Mank is going to get something for sure. I think in the beginning of Oscar season, everyone thought that Mank was going to do really well and it didn't do as well as they thought. I actually really liked Mank, yeah. but a lot of people were like very eh about it. I think Gary Oldman is great. Well, Gary Oldman is Gary Oldman. We've talked about Gary Oldman. That is true. I think <laughs> Gary. I, I think he is the only reason to go watch Mank. And if you took him out of the movie, I wouldn't give a crap about the movie. Yeah, I mean, that's probably true. Yeah, that's fair. So next, let's talk about 
score. So score is probably one of the easier picks of the night because literally the same thing has won everywhere for score, and that is soul. Yeah, it's it's an easy pick. Soul was beautiful. The music of Soul was so beautiful and so encapsulating of what Pixar wanted to do with it. You're just drawn in and jazz is just fucking great and it's so fucking fun to listen to. Yeah, we got uh, Atticus Ross, Trent Reznor, and John Batiste. I think they're going to take it. The, the score is probably one of the best aspects of that movie. So... I think it's pretty obvious. While we're on the subject of music, if we go to original song, we've got our five nominees, which are Fight For You from Judas and the Black Messiah. We could never lose. I'm always, always fight for you. Hear My Voice from Trial of the Chicago 7. Hear my voice. Husavik from Eurovision. EOC from Life Ahead. And Speak Now from One Night in Miami. I think and I hope that it's going to be Speak Now because it's the only song that I like. <laughs> yeah, I think Speak Now is a pretty easy one. Leslie Odom was great. Yeah, I want Leslie Odom to have an Oscar, damn it. What's interesting too this year is like I believe that they're doing like an in-person ceremony, but I don't know like because of the virus and everything, like who knows like how it's going to operate and if it's going to go smoothly. And do they have a host? But I don't think they do. Oh, we're doing this again? No host? Okay. I don't think so. Not that I know of. What are they going to do for the performances? Are they going to record them ahead of time? Are they going to do them live? What are they doing? I don't know. It's all up in the air. I don't know anything. But it should be interesting. Well, all the songs will be performed by Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We want more Hootie and the Blowfish. No, they're going to be performed by Rachel Lee Cook <laughs> from <laughs> Josie and the Pussycats. Oh, God. I feel like a lot of people are getting the Oscar fatigue this season just because, like, by now, normally, the fucking Oscars would have been over for, like, months already and people would already be online talking about predictions for 2022. <laughs> so, you know, I feel like everyone's just, like, over it. <laughs> Well, also, it's just like, it's weird because you couldn't go to the movies. So it's like a bunch of people are like, oh, these are movies I couldn't get to see. Because a lot of them just got released to like streaming within the last like month. Yeah, no, that's true. So I feel like a lot of people are either playing catch up or are just not going to fucking bother seeing these fucking movies. So staying in the vein of music and sound, let's skip on over to the sound award. It's going to be Sound of Metal. Damn straight it is. It is because, obviously... It's a movie about a drummer losing his hearing. It's 
all about sound. The way they cut in and out of Riz Ahmed's hearing is fucking amazing. Yeah, it's done really well. This was probably one of my favorites of the Best Picture nominees. I don't think it's going to win Best Picture, which is unfortunate. Too bad I do not have a vote because it would. Yeah, I know, but I, I think it was a really great movie. It gave me all the feels. And that one, if you have Amazon Prime, you can stream that for free. So I implore you to do that. I'm sure Scott does as well. Yes, It's really good. It's a real character study, but it's one of those movies that has something to say, you know? And it's basically trying to convey, like, just be still in the moment and appreciate life. And I like that kind of stuff, so. Yeah, exactly. It's worth a watch, for sure. It's so well done. And Riz Ahmed, any other year, I would be ringing the bell for him to be best actor as well. Let's finish up with the more technical awards. We got Cinematography, which is one of the ones that Scott and I disagree on. Scott thinks Mank is going to win, and I think Nomadland, because when in doubt, pick Nomadland. That's what I always say. (laughs) Yeah, and I can't blame you for that. Like, Nomadland, again, is it's beautiful. It's fucking gorgeous. But I, I do think Mank has a shot, for sure, because A... It's not going to win any major awards and it's not going to win Best Picture. So they might want to give it something. (laughs) And also, like, the cinematography is great in it. Yeah. Like, I love how that movie, not just that it's in black and white, although, you know, the Academy usually loves that kind of thing. Oh, they really do. But I like how they did, like, the little cigarette burns in the film. And, like, they really made it look and feel like an older movie. Oh, we talk about Fight Club now? What? Well, Fight Club does that too with the cigarette birds and the fucking screen fucking around. But we both picked Mank for production design. I think that's pretty much set in stone just because the design of the production and the design of the production is old Hollywood and the Academy is made up of like 90% old white men in old Hollywood. So they're uh, going to love that shit. It's uh, like, I remember those times when everything was in black and white. Yeah. I remember. <laughs> yeah, basically. It was the same thing with uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood last year. Where it's like, let's go back in time to when Hollywood was cool and women walked around in their dirty bare feet and put their (laughs) dirty bare feet on the back of movie theater chairs. (gasps) Oh my God, she wore a dress above her knee. She's a witch. Oh, wait, sorry. I'm going too far back. Oh my God. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. Another technical one that Scott and I disagreed on was editing. I think it's going to be Trial of Chicago 7. And Scott said Sound of Metal. Yeah. And Sound of Metal, I think, is the front runner right now because it's won a couple other awards in editing. But from what I understand, because I'm not the most well-versed in the technical aspects of Oscar knowledge and filmmaking and whatnot, but from what I understand, the fact that Sound of Metal has been winning a lot of editing awards is kind of strange. It's not like a typical editing winner. It's basically a, a sound award. If they give it this award, it would be because of its sound editing, really, which is cool. Like, I'm fine if it wins because I think the more Oscars Sound of Metal wins, the better. I'm down for that. But the reason I think Trial has a bit of an edge is because the Academy really loves Aaron Sorkin, generally. And again, Trial is another movie I think that's not going to win any major awards. So they might want to throw 
that movie a bone. <laughs> yeah, Sorkin's known for his snappy dialogue. And when you have the snappy dialogue, you got to kind of have snappy editing to go with it. It cuts like Sh- Sasha Baron Cohen at the club doing a comedy set kind of thing. Like it, it and it cuts back to the trial. It's it's all about the editing and it's kind of Sorkin's whole deal. But I do think Trial was a great movie. Again, if you have Netflix, which most people do, you should fucking watch that because that was a great movie. Most people do, or most people have their friends' Netflix. Right. Right. Wink, wink. Since we're talking about Sorkin's snappy dialogue, I'm a big Sorkin fan myself. So let's talk about original screenplay because Trial of Chicago 7 is nominated for screenplay. It is not my pick, though. Which is why I picked it for editing, because I don't think it's going to win screenplay. <laughs> I think that Promising Young Woman is going to win original screenplay. Scott, however, has picked Trial of Chicago 7. So that's another one that we disagree on. Like, okay, don't get me wrong. I think Promising Young Woman is actually a better movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, all around, overall. Right. I just... I know how loved Sorkin is. Right. And that's the thing that makes me think like, oh, people love Sorkin. People love that snappy dialogue he has. And you got all over this movie, you have actors who do really well at giving you Sorkin dialogue. I'm This one I'm picking with my brain over my heart. Heart, I would say Promising Young Woman is a better movie and should win the Oscar. But I think Sorkin's dialogue here is the big clinching factor. Right. Yeah, I can definitely see Trial winning, and I wouldn't be mad about it because, again, I'm a big Sorkin fan, but I do think Promising Young Woman is a better movie. However, this whole category, I think, is is really good. I don't love the adapted screenplay category. We'll talk about that in a second, but the original screenplay category, I really love. It's uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, which was a great movie. Yes. Minari, Promising Young Woman, Trial of Chicago 7, and Sound of Metal. So... All of them are great movies, so I, I am a happy camper. However, if Promising Young Woman wins, Emerald Fennell, who wrote the movie, will be the first female winner since Diablo Cody won in 2007 for Juno. There it is. Little pink plus sign is so unholy. That ain't no edge sketch. This is one doodle that can't be undid, Holmes Gillett. Wow. So, fuck yeah, I want Emerald Fennell to win. <laughs> hey. Again, it'd be amazing. Surprisingly, that is a really loaded group. Yeah, definitely. So moving on to Adapted. Scott and I have both picked Nomadland for this, but I'm speaking for me. I basically picked Nomadland because I really didn't know what else to pick. I don't know. I don't love this category this year. Yeah, go through them all real quick. Uh, So we have Borat 2, The Father, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, and The White Tiger. Yeah, so I was stuck between two for this one. I think it's between Nomadland and The Father. I think so too. Which sucks because I I don't I I liked One Night in Miami too. I don't think it has a shot. The White Tiger that was kind of a surprise when the nominations came out. Like I didn't even hear about that movie until the nominations came out, and I watched it on Netflix and I liked it, but I don't think it's gonna win. Definitely not. And Borat 2, we both like that as well, but I don't think that's going to win either, even though, I mean, the first one was nominated, but yeah, uh, I don't think this is going to win. 
Well, <laughs> it's got the disadvantage of being a comedy, and comedy does not win at the Oscars. Generally speaking, no. Comedy and horror do not win at the Oscars. Yeah, it's true. I mean, we'll get out one. That was probably get, the last one. Get out is horror wise. Get out is the exception to the rule. Right. I agree. <laughs> so yeah, the only reason why I'm picking Nomadland over The Father is because The Father was good. The Father is an Oscary movie. Oh yeah. It's very Oscary uh-huh. and it's very sad and very slow. It bored me to tears. I mean, I don't want to say it, I was totally bored because I liked what they did with it. It was an interesting way to portray dementia and Anthony Hopkins yes. does an amazing job because obviously he's fucking Anthony Hopkins. Well, like, yeah. hello. Well, and Olivia Coleman's great too. Of course. But it's, it's very slow and it's kind of repetitive. Oh, it's very repetitive. Not only is it very repetitive, every character in the fucking movie but Olivia Coleman sucks. Well, no, Anthony Hopkins is... Anthony Hopkins is a dick to Olivia Coleman for half the freaking movie. But he's sick and he's... Oh, that doesn't... No, my daughter... You know, she she looks dumb because she is dumb. She gets that from her mother. Oh. Is it direct line from the fucking movie? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, no, I'm not disagreeing with you necessarily. I'm just, you know, it's yeah, I don't know. I I didn't love it. It was good. I appreciate its goodness. I appreciate its performances. I appreciate what it did. But will I ever, ever watch it again, ever in life? No. Not a chance in fucking hell. That's the thing, too, with a lot of the Oscar-y, quote-unquote, movies, the more pretentious-y vein of Oscar films, they don't have any rewatchability. I do a list every year of movies I watch from that year. And I've included... The Father and Judas and uh, right. in the 2021 list. Mm-hmm. Now, I have a movie ranked above The Father that I know is a worse movie, but I will watch it again. What movie? I have Willy's Wonderland above Ew. The Father 100%. Hey, kids, you know what time it is? It's birthday time. It's your birthday, and we want you to have fun. That's wrong. No, it is not. Because That's so wrong. It is so much more rewatchable than The Father. Like, if you had it on the scale of 1 to 10 oh, of God. rewatchability, The Father's okay. at a negative 2, while Willy's Wonderland's at least an 8. Okay, but because so bad it's good movies exist, rewatchability does not necessarily mean it's a better movie. Oh, I have Willy's Wonderland at the 2, but in my ranking... For the year, Willy's Wonderland is above the father. Okay, I, I I understand what you're saying. I disagree with your method, sir. My method <laughs> I agree is with correct. Your me- I disagree with your methodology. However, adaptive screenplay, we're picking Nomadland. Nomadland is probably going to be the shape of water of 2021 in that it's going to sweep a lot of these awards. <laughs> Chloe Zhao, who is the director, writer, editor, everything pretty much for this movie, she's like killing it right now. And just as a fun fact, if Chloe Zhao wins this award, Adapted Screenplay, and Emerald Fennell wins Original Screenplay, 
this could be the first time ever that best picture director and both screenplays are won by women which would be the fucking shit okay (laughs) yeah damn straight it would for those of you who have been listening to us for a while last year i got into the animated shorts for the first time really because i had watched the short hair love which ended up winning the award last year and it completely blew my mind how invested i was in this short little film and it made me cry and i loved it and i was so happy that it won and from that point on i resolved myself that i was going to make a conscious effort to watch at least some if not all of the animated short categories in the future and i haven't watched all of them i haven't had a chance to watch all of the shorts this year but i watched the two main contenders that being if anything happens i love you which is on netflix and burrow which is the resident pixar contender which was on disney plus so i watched both of them same i liked both of them yes but i think if anything happens i love you is going to win because it is a heartstring tugger yeah it it definitely is a heartstring like oh god this is this hurts this is like oh god it hurts it hurts it hurts so sad yeah definitely burrow was cute like it, it's cute yeah it definitely is adorable i mean pixar it, doesn't have a problem making cute animated fucking movies let's be honest here but it's not like it uh bow a couple years ago yeah bow was great i loved bow yeah i think really those are the two front runners for sure if you can watch all of these nominees i certainly would recommend it and i would especially recommend watching burrow and if anything happens i love you yeah it's honestly it's so impressive sometimes because shorts have such a they don't have two hours to tell you a fucking story they got if you're lucky like 12 minutes right and also just like putting out there if you've never watched hair love either Oh, hell I think yeah. you can look it up on YouTube and, and find it. It's really good. That made me cry. Like, everyone's saying that if anything happens, I love you makes you cry. I personally didn't cry. I, I felt the heart tugs for sure. But hair love legit made me cry. So if you feel like having a good cry for a few minutes, check it out. <laughs> Moving on to animated feature. This is going to be one of, if not the most easy pick of the night. Um... It's soul. <laughs> it's fucking soul. It's Pixar, motherfucker. It's soul. <laughs> yeah, there's there's nothing in this category otherwise. That even makes me feel like it has a shot. The other ones in here, though, we have Onward, which was okay. Yeah, it's fun. Over the Moon, which is on Netflix, which I didn't like very much at all. Meh. Uh, Sean the Sheep, which is also on Netflix. Haven't seen that. So, uh, yeah, Soul, guys. It's fucking Soul. <laughs> it's Soul. It's Soul. It's Soul. And the thing is, like, me personally, I don't think Soul is, like, the best Pixar movie in its lexicon. I, I, I don't. I think it's probably more, like, upper middle echelon. Yeah. But pro- it's still the best out of this category, and it's definitely going to fucking win. So... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think Soul is Can't definitely Can't go upper- against Pixar, guys. Yeah, I think Soul is definitely upper middle. I, I can agree with that, of uh, the Pixar franchise. So now, 
we're going to get into the big guns now. We're going to go into the actor categories and director, best picture. Things are getting heated up in here. Yo, the heat is rising. Oh, Some- yeah. Someone turned down the thermostat. I got chills. They're multiplying. <laughs> and I'm losing control. Do you think they'll ever remake Grease? <laughs> yes. Actually, no. I don't think they'll ever remake Grease. Why? Because Grease has... Grease has some problematic elements to it. Well, yeah. No, that's true. Grease, as much as, like, it's a... I mean, Danny Zuko, like, assaulted Sandy in the car, trying to, like, feel her up. (laughs) It is is a movie of its time, and... It is, I suppose. uh, Especially when you go with, like... Oh, did she put up a fight? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't think Greece will ever be remade unless they change They might just stuff. change stuff. Oh, you want to know what I just heard? Okay, guys, if you've listened to us for a while, you know I love Lin-Manuel Miranda, right? I can't go a fucking episode or two without mentioning Hamilton. They're coming out with an In the Heights movie in June. I'm very excited. I'm shook. I'm quivering. I'm quaking. Okay. I saw an article. If you've ever seen In the Heights, it's fucking amazing. It's a great show. It's going to be an awesome movie. I hope. Pray to God. Knock on wood. Everything. Okay. But there's a song in that musical that references Donald Trump. Here's the lyric right here. Y'all be a businessman richer than Nina's daddy. Donald Trump and I own the links and he's my caddy. Okay, and I just read an article saying that Lin-Manuel Miranda has like, uh, changed the song lyrics in the movie to take Donald Trump out of the song. And I was like, that's hilarious. I can't wait to see that because that's fucking funny to me. But anyway, continuing on, let's go with supporting actress. Okay. Okay. We have Maria Bakalova from Borat 2, Glenn Close from Hillbilly Elegy, Olivia Coleman from The Father, Amanda Seyfried from Mank, and Yo Jung Yun from Minari. I'm so sorry if I said that name incorrectly. <laughs> no, just going through this. Amanda Seyfried was fine. Man, it's, it's yeah, I don't think... I think sh- Amanda Seyfried's probably got the worst shot out of the five. Glenn Close is Glenn Close, so you can't really ever rule her out, but she's also the first person ever to be nominated for an Oscar and a Razzie for the same fucking role. That's crazy. When you told me that, that like blew my mind because I feel like it had to have happened before, but I guess not. But yeah, I, I do think that Glenn Close is Glenn Close. So you can't count her out completely. It would be very funny if she won both awards for the same role. It would be even funnier if Olivia Coleman won it again <laughs> and took it from Glenn Close. That would be even funnier to me. Um, Olivia Coleman was great in The Father. I love her. Just in general, I adore her. But the way The Father is as a movie and how it kind of like changes the identity of characters Mm -hmm. i think that hurts her in this category i don't know if that necessarily hurts her i think the whole purpose of supporting actress is does this performance not just work as a performance for itself but does it also enhance the movie as a whole and does it advance the lead actor's performances as a whole and i think olivia coleman's role 
definitely does that. So she's got a shot. I would say it's more a two-horse race between Maria Bakalova and Yo Jung-yun. Now, Yo Jung-yun uh, in Minari was great. She was hysterical. Yeah, she was really incredible. I really liked her a lot in it. She definitely does a great job influencing the family and being like a major force in the movie. But Maria Bakalova is fucking Borat. I'm actually, it's very funny because I almost want to say she's more of the main character in Borat too than Borat. Yeah, I mean, you could put her in lead and get away with it, I think. But I definitely liked both performances. I just think that Yo Jung-yeon has a better shot because... Minari is definitely more a typical Oscar movie and that performance is so good. Maria Bakalova in Borat 2 pulls off something that a lot of actors I don't think could pull off as well. Like I think her comedic timing, her performance is really great and I think the problem is it's so fucking crazy I don't think a lot of people in the Oscar Academy are going to appreciate it like it deserves to be appreciated. And also, it's going to fall victim, I think, to what... Comedy. Comedy in general and what Borat in general, characters like Borat fall victim to, which is like, you know, the Academy just focuses on like the crazy shit that they do and say and they don't really think about what goes into pulling off a performance like that well uh, yes i i do agree with you on that usually that it would tend to be the case but i think you also have to include while you're thinking about that she acted alongside sasha baron cohen Mm -hmm. and kept up with him throughout the movie like sasha baron cohen this is his thing of course this is what he does for pretty much a living he becomes these characters that messes with people in the real world and to put an actress in there who not only has to be believable that she's this character's daughter but she also still has to keep up with him because you know Sasha Baron Cohen is going a thousand miles a minute as the character right that any other actress you put in there would probably be like oh shit this I can't fucking believe that she's this person yeah i definitely wouldn't be upset if she won like that's the thing too this year there's no joker this year because a lot of people last year when joker got as many nominations as it did people were like oh my god i don't care what wins as long as joker doesn't win oh my god if joker wins that's such bullshit there's nothing like that this year there's nothing that if something wins over something else i'm gonna be like that's fucking bullshit you know everything's good there's nothing really bad in here this year you know what i mean agreed but yeah i'm picking Yo jung yun and scott's picking maria bakalova so we'll see what happens maybe we'll put some money on that one maybe. that's that's a hot button one i think this one and lead actress is gonna be a fucking hot button one however i think supporting actor and lead actor are gonna be pretty cut and dry supporting actor we have sasha baron cohen from trial of chicago seven Daniel Kaluuya from Judas and the Black Messiah, Leslie Odom Jr. from One Night in Miami, 
Paul Racy from Sound of Metal, and Lakeith Stanfield from Judas and the Black Messiah. Let's talk about that for just a second before we talk about our obvious pick for this category. Why is Lakeith Stanfield in here? <laughs> not that his performance wasn't fine. It's nothing against Lakeith Stanfield. But I thought it was weird enough that Kaluuya was put in supporting, but I was okay with it because he had a chance to win if he was in supporting because I don't think he would have stood a chance if he was in lead. So I was fine with that. But then you put Lakeith in supporting also, and it's like, well, then who was the fucking lead in this movie? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> okay. Now, we both think Daniel Kaluuya, A, sh- should win and deserves to win. Yes, and he he's gonna fucking win. He's been winning everywhere. That is true, but everywhere else, Lakeith has also not I been nominated. I don't think it's going to split the vote. I really don't. Because me personally, I like Lakeith Stanfield a lot. I don't think his character, his performance in Judas and the Black Messiah is enough oomph to warrant an award. It might I not, don't. Uh, it might and not. also, I think he would have actually fit in supporting. I don't think Daniel Kaluuya is even supporting. I think... It's kind of cheating putting him in supporting, to be honest. But I'm okay with it because I love Daniel Kaluuya. <laughs> I do too, and I think Daniel Kaluuya is amazing. And I think he should win this award. I love all of these guys. Like Paul Racy in Sound of Metal was fucking great. Yeah. I loved him. I-, I loved Leslie Odom Jr. in Miami. It's- nobody doesn't deserve to win, not no. even Lakeith. But I'm just saying. Oh, don't again! I uh, why? (laughs) Like, what are you doing? (laughs) I a hundred percent agree with you. I think this should be Kaluuya's award if you have normal circumstances. But I think if it's even close with somebody else, and I don't know who that would be. Let's say hypothetically say it's Cohen. Take out Lakeith and Kaluuya beats Cohen by let's say two hundred votes. Like it's but it's a close race, and now you throw Lakeith in there. Maybe this. 200 people hypothetically think Lakeith's performance is better than Kaluuya's? Right. I don't know. It doesn't have to... I'm not saying split the vote entirely where it's 50-50. No, I get get what you're saying, but I I just think it would be different if we were talking about something like Irishman. Pesci and Pacino kind of had equal time and they're both equal powerhouses. That would be more of a real split. I don't think Lakeith's performance in this movie is strong enough to combat with Kaluuya's and really split the vote enough that it's going to matter. So I think Kaluuya's fine. Again, I think you're right, but I think it's something to consider. And I think that if it does go a different way on Oscar night, I think that would be the reason. So if that were to happen, who do you think would win then? Who do you think would take it? I would say probably Cohen. I think you're first instinct was right i think it would probably be cohen yeah cohen would make a lot of sense there if that was the case yeah that probably would make sense if that was gonna happen yeah but i don't think it will i think kaluuya is fine i love kaluuya i've loved him forever i fucking remember watching him in an episode of black mirror like years ago and be like oh my god this guy is fucking good and then he got famous and i was like yay i was right <laughs> so i love him yeah. for realsies so i'm so happy that he's been winning and that he's going to fucking win on sunday i'm so happy moving on let's go to lead actress this is like the biggest question mark of the night it seems 
We have Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Andre Day for Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand for Nomadland, Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. Okay, so I keep hearing Andre Day. Because mm-hmm. she won the Globe. She won the Globe, Carrie Mulligan, and of course... Frances McDormand. But also, people are saying Viola Davis, too, because she won the SAG. So everyone's won something. The only one that hasn't won anything is Vanessa Kirby, so she's pretty much dead in the water. But Which, by the way, every time I hear her name, I just think of Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> but Andre Day, I also think, is kind of dead in the water. I guess she could win, but I feel like that movie is overall generally speaking people didn't really like it it's not a great movie she does a great job in it but the movie around her is not good so i don't think she's gonna take it i think really it's a three-horse race between viola francis and carrie now in my opinion i'm not viola davis is an amazing actress i i love her yes but i know what you're gonna say in everything she does like she is usually your eyes are usually glued to her because of how great she is on screen. I didn't like her in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I didn't either. I don't even think it's necessarily her. I just think the role... It's not a lead role, for one thing. No. It's not. It's really not at all. It's really Chadwick Boseman's movie, if you really want to think about it for a second. And also, like... I just don't think that character for her, she didn't do that much. Yeah, I don't think it's meaty enough for her. It's really not. And if she won, again, wouldn't be mad at all because I love her and I think she's an amazing actress. And if she got another fucking Oscar, I'd be down to clown. You know what I mean? But I personally am, am putting my money on Frances. This would be her third Oscar if she won, which would be fucking crazy. But also... If Viola won, I wouldn't be mad. She's officially now the most nominated black actress in Oscar history. 100% deserved. Which is awesome. This is also just fun fact. I mean, I guess fun fact. Fun slash kind of sad fact. This is the first time in almost 50 years that two black women have been nominated together in the lead actress category. Fuck the Oscars. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know, man. But what are you going to do? But... They both deserve it. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. Like, it's not like, oh, you know, Viola's going to win because they want... That's what I heard some people saying. Like, oh, well, if she wins, it's only because they want to give a a black actress the award. I'm like, that's fucking bullshit. Even if Andre Day wins, like, she'll fucking deserve it, even though the movie's not great. She did a great job in it. So anyone that's saying that racist bullshit, fuck yourself. Like, (laughs) literally fuck yourself. But I personally... I think Frances has an edge because I think even though I didn't love Nomadland. Oh, she's amazing in it. She's great in it. And she really commits. Like if you read about how that movie was made. She was a producer on it. Like she really was invested in it and like lived in that lifestyle. Oh, yeah. You know, immersed herself in it. And I think that dedication gives her a little bit of an edge and also she's francis fucking mcdormand yeah if she did win she would become one of six actors to have three or more oscars under their belt which would be pretty fucking cool again francis mcdormand is an amazing actress and she's amazing in nomadland like you follow her around and she is great in that movie she's always 
captivating when you watch her, whether it's Free Billboards, whether it's uh, Fargo or some of the other movies that she's been in. She's always great. But I she mean, just gives off very, I hope this doesn't sound insulting, but she gives off very like cool ant vibes. Yeah, I can see that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, 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 I can understand what you're saying. She just seems like a cool aunt that you'd like want to yeah. fucking go smoke pot with or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, don't tell your mom. You know what I mean? <laughs> shh, shh, don't tell your mom. Here, here. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I, uh, definitely, I could see that. I could see, I could see her being the cool aunt. But I think the most captivating actress in, in this fucking category is fucking Carrie Mulligan. I really did love her performance I, in Promising Young Woman. I really, really did. I think she's so great in it, and this whole movie's on her from the beginning to the end. Like she goes through a range of things where you're like, she's the angel of vengeance to the point where she's like, maybe I'll give that up and actually start to live a life. And you're like, oh yeah, she's starting to finally be vulnerable and maybe move on from being the angel of vengeance to going right back down and destroying everything in her goddamn path i really did like promising young woman a lot and i liked carrie mulligan's performance the only thing i would say and i wouldn't say it's necessarily carrie's fault or the movies i don't really know where the fault quote-unquote would lie but i feel like her performance it goes like right up to the edge of the cliff but doesn't go all the way off you know what i mean like she almost goes all the way there but like it just doesn't completely let go like she just goes right up to the edge and doesn't go all the way maybe if they embrace more of that horror aspect of what i thought the movie was gonna be maybe i don't know i mean again i really really did love the movie i liked promising young woman as a whole more than i liked nomadland I would watch Promising Young Woman again way before I would watch Nomadland again. 100%. However, I think Frances McDormand's performance is better than Carrie Mulligan's. But again, if Carrie won or Viola won or even if Andre Day won, I would be down like... Now it's going to be Vanessa Kirby. Vanessa Kirby's winning. I would be okay with it. That's the only one I didn't see. So, of course, that's going to fucking win. Oh, my God. But yeah, I am picking Francis. Scott's picking Carrie. Maybe we'll put money on that one too. Who knows? Okay. Huh, okay. So now uh, moving on to lead actor. We've got Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal. Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Anthony Hopkins for The Father. Gary Oldman for Mank. And Steven Yun for Minari. Yeah, so Riz Ahmed is the first Muslim American to be nominated for Best Actor. Yes, for lead actor. For lead actor. And oh. Stephen Young is the first Asian American nominated for lead actor. And Anthony Hopkins is the oldest nominee at 83 years of age for lead actor. So we, we've got a lot of firsts in here. That's pretty awesome. And, you know, if Anthony Hopkins wins, he's going to enjoy his winnings with a nice Chianti and some fava beans. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I feel like this is a peculiar category. Some people are saying that it's a two-horse race. I personally don't think so. I think this is pretty much locked on Chadwick Boseman. I, I Again, I love Chadwick. I think Chadwick is going to win this award because... A, we lost Chadwick this year, and that's heartbreaking because the man 
was an amazing actor, seemed like an amazing human being. Yeah, absolutely. And I would have loved to have seen where his career was going. We talked about it on our episode 42 that I thought he was going to be the next Denzel. Yeah. I think he very well could have been, which is just so heartbreaking. And like, the thing is, now that he's nominated, his performance in Ma Rainey is really the highlight of the movie. He just completely steals the show. I think it's one of, if not the best performance of his entire career. So if he won this, it wouldn't be just like, oh, we're giving it to him because he passed. Like, no, mm-hmm. he deserves it oh, wholeheartedly. Yeah. He he went to a place in Ma Rainey that I don't think we've ever seen him go to before. Yeah, abs- yeah absolutely. It was dark. It was depressing. It- Especially how it ends, you're less like, fuck, man. Yeah. It's a great performance. But in the same breath, the only person I could see upsetting Chadwick mm-hmm. is Riz Ahmed. Oh, wow. Really? Okay. Riz Ahmed was so good at Sound of Metal. I mean, I completely agree. Throughout the movie, you are with this guy and just thinking about it. To be a drummer or a musician, and that's your life, suddenly to lose your hearing and not be able to do what you love, the anger, the frustration, then to at the end where he's sitting on the bench after he realizes that his girlfriend might actually be better off without him. And he sits there, and he takes out his hearing aid, and it's just silence. That that ending, oh, it's like the best fucking ending. It's it's so good, and you just sit with it, and it's it just hits you like a truck. It's so good. Like he does so, so good. It's the only performance other than Chadwick's that I feel like it grabs you. And I saw the movie whatever when it came out, and it's still with me to this fucking point. Yeah, I mean, the Oscars, you know, they'll sometimes pull out a spoiler that no one saw coming. And if that happened here and Riz pulled it out, I would be ecstatic. I really, really would. But the chatter that I've heard as far as two horse race was in regards to Chadwick and Anthony Hopkins, because Anthony Hopkins just won the BAFTA. However, he is a British actor and he's obviously been in the game a long time. He's beloved because he's Anthony Hopkins and he's the shit. And his performance in The Father is very, very well done. It's an incredibly heavy, heavy movie. <laughs> but it is a great performance. If he did win, it would be well deserved. But I think Chadwick deserves it a little more, if that makes sense. I liked Ma Rainey. It wasn't like the best movie that I saw this year, but I think his performance really elevated the movie as a whole. A hundred percent. That's really the main reason why you want to watch the movie is for his performance. So I think that is reason enough to give the man an Oscar, especially considering that his career and his trajectory was so sadly cut short. But yeah, it's a conversation that's worth having because the last biggest like notable time that something like this happened was with The Dark Knight when they nominated um, Heath Ledger and he won for that after his passing. I personally thought at that time that he deserved it despite the fact that he was gone. Some people thought that it, 
that the award was given to him just because he passed away. I disagree with that sentiment, but I don't think that anyone would say that Chadwick doesn't deserve this award. Oh, no, I don't think anyone... And that he would just be getting it because he passed away. No, I don't think so. I don't think anybody would be saying that. I think people say that more about Heath Ledger. Even though I love Heath Ledger's performance, I think he was great, and I think he deserved that award. At the time, the Oscars did not care about superhero movies. Right. I mean, they still don't a lot of the time. I mean, the fact that Black Panther was nominated a couple years ago, like, that was, like, unprecedented that was the oscars appeasing the people right Uh, exactly yeah that's why it didn't win any major awards it just won like all the technical stuff (laughs) they gave it all the technical awards and they're like okay now the big awards go to the big boys and it's like okay fuck you (laughs) uh but but chadwick is is a different beast this year yeah and i think if chadwick was still with us i think people would be talking about this being a free horse race between him anthony and Riz, Riz yeah, I uh, agree. But not to mention, Stephen Young did an amazing job in Minari. Yeah, he did too. Gary Oldman too was great in Mank. I think everybody was great in this category. I'd be happy if any of them won. Yeah, I got my money on Chadwick. I really, I hope he wins. But if Riz or Anthony Hopkins won, or any of them, I'd, I'd be fine with it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I'd be sad for Chadwick a little bit, but yeah, I would be okay with it. <laughs> I, I think Chadwick would as much as he's like oh yes Chadwick won the award and that's great I think Chadwick preferred having his body of work left behind for people to just enjoy his body of work yeah oh speaking of that like we obviously did a review a while ago on the movie 42 where he plays Jackie Robinson so if you haven't checked that out please do but recently I watched another movie of his from earlier in his career I think where he's playing um James Brown get on up I think it's on Netflix now. I watched it a while ago. It was really good. He's one of those actors that can take a material that maybe is like average and just elevate it. I think that's a real uh, special gift. On the side note, there is one person missing from this actor category. Who? There is one person, and that is Delroy Lindo. Oh my god, yeah. Let's fucking talk about that for a second. Because I don't care about any of the... Like, oh my god, it's Del- disgusting. It, Delroy Lindo in The Five Bloods gave oh the performance of a goddamn lifetime. It's fucking disgusting. It he really might have not is. won. It makes me mad thinking about it. He may have not won this, any of the. I don't know if he would have nominated him for supporting or, this, or, or lead, because that is a ensemble movie. I probably would have said he probably would have been supporting. Yeah, I think he could have found a way to put him in either one. But the fact that he's nowhere is really gross. And I think that's one of the biggest snubs, if not the biggest snub of the whole fucking year. Because, like, granted, I don't know how you felt about The Five Bloods, babe, but I I didn't love the movie. I've liked other Spike Lee movies much better than this one. However, Delroy Lindo's performance is fucking sick. (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) I genuinely like the movie. Again, yes, there are Spike Lee movies I like better, but I like the movie. I would go back and watch it, especially for Delroy. It's, yeah. I mean, maybe, I think timing kind of fucked him over a little bit. Because the movie came out earlier in the year. However, like, it's just, 
Delroy Lindo is not like an A-list actor that is always coming out with movies and like is always banging out these like A-plus performances in these like big movies. No, like he's a character actor that's been around forever that has paid his fucking dues and they put him in this fucking role and he killed it. And you can't just give the man a fucking nomination. <laughs> not only did he fucking kill it. Yes, he put in so much work, yeah. so much great work in anything. Even if the movie isn't the best movie, Absolutely. Delroy Lindo is fucking great. And that that is a big problem with the Oscars, too, is just because a movie came out in, what, February? Yeah, I think February. Doesn't mean, it doesn't, doesn't mean it's not a good fucking movie. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Delroy, we know you deserve to be there. Hell we know. yeah, bro. Hell yeah. But moving on to director, this is going to be another one that's a super easy pick for the night. Chloe Zhao, who is the director of Nomadland, has literally been winning every fucking where. So, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're putting our money on Chloe Zhao. Yeah. But as far as the other nominees, this is the first time ever E.V. E.R. that two women have been nominated for director in the same year. We have Chloe Zhao and we have Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. I'm so happy. My little girly heart, my feminism brain, all screeching with glee. We also have David Fincher, who we just talked about last week with Fight Club, nominated for Mank. And we have Lee Isaac Chung from Minari. And the kind of surprise nominee in this category was Thomas Vinterberg, who directed the movie Another Round, which is nominated in the international film category, which is going to win that category. Yeah. Uh, we actually watched that movie as well. It was good. Uh, it was a little weird. <laughs> it, it's it's weird. Mads is great in it. Yes, Mads Mikkelsen is in it, who we talked about when we talked about Rogue One uh, oh so long ago when we were doing Star Wars. He's great. I, I do appreciate that the Oscars is, I guess, trying to take a step in acknowledging more international directors and international actors and stuff like that. I think that's a good thing, ultimately. But yeah, I think it's going to be Chloe Zhao. Yeah, it, it seems that she is the front runner. Nomadland is one of those movies that is a very quote-unquote oscar movie. It's it's slow-moving. It's, ca- it's kind of like a retrospective on the lifestyle of being nomadic. Yes, exactly. And it does have that kind of oscar air of pretentiousness about it. However, it does look beautiful and it is unique in the way that it gives you a new perspective. But I definitely think Chloe Zhao deserves it. And I think that Emerald Fennell would deserve it as well. So they both deserve to be there. And I'm glad they're there. Making history. And moving on to the big one. The big fish of the night. Best picture. Um, Scott and I are both pretty much sold on the fact that Nomadland's going to win. There could be a spoiler here, who knows, but considering how much the Academy seems to like Nomadland, I think that's a safe bet. However, I don't think either one of us would 
personally pick Nomadland as no, our best picture. Not a chance. So, Scott, what out of the eight? Well, first, let me go through the eight. There's The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and Trial of Chicago 7. Scott, which one of these movies would you pick as your best picture? If I had a vote, I would be picking Sound of Metal. A, it's such a great performance by Riz Ahmed, but the whole movie is so well done. I would be happy with that. I would be happy with Promising Young Woman, and I would be happy for Judas. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you just said. Uh, I, I really... I loved Sound of Metal. If that were to win, I would be absolutely thrilled. Uh, I think if anything is going to spoil Nomadland, it might be Promising Young Woman or maybe Minari uh, or sound, uh, maybe Sound of Metal. I don't know. I Again, I wouldn't be mad if any of those won. I also, I know I'm probably in the minority here, but I really liked Mank. I know some people thought it was like boring or whatever. I actually really didn't. I I went in with kind of low expectations thinking that I was going to be bored and I ended up being really intrigued and I watched it twice. But um, yeah, if if I had to pick my own personal best picture, I would probably say Sound of Metal or Judas. But I don't think either of those are going to win. I think it's going to be Nomadland because not only is it a very quote-unquote oscar movie, it's got a lot to say and it's gorgeous. So yeah, those are our Oscar predictions for 2021. So the Oscar ceremonies are going to be this Sunday. We're going to record our episode and then put it up the following Wednesday. We're going to try and do kind of like a watch along, which should be interesting. Hopefully it'll work out. <laughs> Hopefully. Until then, this has been Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our Oscarific Golden Statued Movie Adventure. Oh, no, here goes Mr. Braggadocio. Next thing you know, you're lying.